got one for you. Lean over to your neighbor and say, neighbor, did you know that the devil can't run because he's been defeated? <laughs> Cheesy dad joke, I know. So from that into this, the enemy's been defeated. <laughs> Death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make your praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. Gonna make your praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. Gonna make your praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. And death couldn't hold you down. Gonna lift our voice. We're gonna shout unto God. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. Gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. And death couldn't hold you down. Gonna lift our voice. Oh, shout unto God. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Release your name up. Release your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Release your name up. Release your name up. Shout on the God with the voice of praise. Shout on the God with the voice of triumph. 
Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice. Let's lift up a shout right now, Jesus. this room. Just say the name Jesus. Jesus. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. Gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. Been defeated, and death couldn't hold you down. Gonna lift our voice in victory, gonna make your praises loud. Jesus, we worship you. The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet. At his feet we bow. The one who wore our sin and shame now robed in man. The radiance of perfect love now shines for all to see. Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name. 
Borrowed for three days, his body there would not remain. Our God has robbed the grave. Our God has robbed the
Sacrifice was made as the heavens
There is only one king, there is only one king who gave it all to the very lonely, to the very lonely, he gave it all. I was lost and lonely. I was lost and lonely. You showed the way. I was on the wrong path. You showed up like Damascus and made me see. It's by grace we are saved. Grace. I was lost and lonely. I was lost and lonely. You showed the way. I was on the wrong path. You showed up like Damascus and made me see. You took on shame and paid on way. So 
is my dying breath, heaven as my gain, as the sea is light, finally I'll say, nothing can compare, nothing can repay, the price of what you've done, the sacrifice you gave, I count it all as loss, nothing left remains, my mission is covered by bloodstains, I'll enter in and find the one who saves, I worship and exalt the king who was slain, I thank him for the cross and all the blood he Cause my admission in is covered by Father, we thank you for the blood of Calvary. As across this building, Father, every heart turned towards you. Whatever level, whatever place we are in you, whatever level of, of character development and maturity that we stand in, God, we're all the same at the foot of the cross. As we stand here right now, God, we magnify you and glorify you and worship you for the precious blood, for the remission of our sins that has cleansed us and taken away our spiritual and physical leprosy. You've taken, Father, disease and heartache and brokenness and pain and mental disturbedness. You've taken all of these things, Father, on the cross of Calvary, wore that crown of thorns, God, that my mind could be free took a diabolical beating, Father, that I could beat the sicknesses loosed upon man because of sin. You were pierced. You were pierced to prove that the blood that flowed down the side of the master 
mixed with water, the same as the high priest would carry into the temple and sprinkle upon the mercy seat of God, water and blood mixed. The water of mourning, the water of brokenness, the blood of redemption. And Father, today we celebrate the Son. Today we celebrate Christ. Today we celebrate the Mashiach. For there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We stand redeemed. The world around us will never understand us until they become insiders. But we understand, Father, that there's, not, there's nothing we can do to ever repay what you have done. No matter how low we bow, no matter how much we pray, no matter how much we dedicate and devote our faculties, our life, our, our means, it will never add up to the eternal life extended back to man that was lost in the garden. And so today, across this place with one voice, we lift our hands and we magnify you one more time giving voice to our thankfulness, giving voice to our heart across this building. We shout hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are holy, holy, holy. And I am complete because you are holy. Oh, we magnify you, Lord. We magnify you. Oh, we magnify you. Oh, we magnify you. Oh, we magnify you. What a beautiful God. What a wonderful Savior. What a beautiful partner, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, manifest Jesus in this room, in every heart. Send your angelic host to stir the atmosphere for the, the ultimate healing of salvation in this house. God, we glorify you and magnify you as servants, as partners, as sons and daughters of God our Father we thank you we thank you we thank you we thank you we 
sober as this moment is. Because we want to do our best to get everyone out in a timely fashion today to enjoy your family. As much as I could go on and on and on right here, I'm going to make the difficult transition going to the next portion of our service. But before we do that, would you turn around and let somebody know that you are a born-again child of the Most High God, and they can know him the way that you do. Shake three or four hands. Let them know you're glad to see them today. Thank you, Father. Would you welcome Miss Kendra Lewis as she comes today to share in offering for us? Good morning. If you would, uh, if you need an envelope, get your hands up and the ushers will bring around the envelopes to you. Man, it is a beautiful Easter Sunday. <laughs> just so thankful for everything that the Lord, I mean, he's just amazing. <laughs> I mean, look at this place even, you know, today is I don't know if it's the exact day, but Easter Sunday a year ago, we had our first service in this building, in this, in this side of the building. Isn't that amazing? Like, just think about it. It feels like it was just yesterday we moved into this side to me, but then at the same time, it feels like we've been here for a while. So it's weird how that is. But man, God, thank you that a year ago, we, we got into this side of our facility. And I'm excited about what the Lord is doing next. You know, the Lord gave Pastor a word that he would be in a building project until Jesus comes. Well, we have another project coming soon. <laughs> We're opening a school. <laughs> I don't know what the Lord has planned with that, but what I do know is he needs people who will say, you know what, this is an important investment that we should sow into. One of the most important investments that we could sow into is the future of our children. And so I would just ask you all, I mean, I'm, yes, we're taking up our normal tithe and offering here, but I just want to encourage you to ask the Lord what he would have you to do to sow into having a Christian school in Cameron, Missouri. Even though this first year we're going to be small, my goodness, the Lord has plans for a building where we can open it up to hundreds of kids, not just a few kids, right? So just ask the Lord what he would have you to do. If you're going to sow into that, by check or cash, mark your envelope, um, CCA, which is Cameron Christian Academy. If you're going to give online, you can go to, uh, I think it says Cameron Christian Academy on there, but you go to givetopassion.com and then you would just mark it Cameron Christian Academy. Um, yeah, it's just exciting. I'm just, I'm just excited for what the Lord has done. God, we just give you all the honor and all of the glory and all of the praise. Father, we, we are so thankful, Lord, that you've given us this facility, that we have the freedom to come into this place and worship you freely. God, we thank you for this beautiful church. God, and we don't take for granted that, that we've been over here for a year and the miracle that it was to even get in here. But God, we're, we're anticipating the next thing that you have for Passion Church, the next assignment that you would have us to step into. And all in one accord in this body, God, we say yes. 
to the plans and the purposes that you have for Passion Church, the things that you would have us to accomplish, Lord. We so faithfully, and we stand on the law that of, of seed and harvest, Lord. It is a spiritual law that you reap what you sow. And God, we sow our seed in faith believing into your kingdom, Father. Believing that we will reap back a harvest that the word says that that we, he, we can't even comprehend, Father. Pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing, as your word says. So, Father, I just I ask that you just bless this offering, that we would have the wisdom to do exactly what you would have us to do with it. Bless every single person in this room, God. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to Luke, the 22nd chapter. We're going to start with verse 14. And when Jesus arrived at the upper room, he took his place at the table along with the disciples. Man, that right there, I could preach for an hour right there, but I'll stop. Whenever Jesus takes his place. Then he told them, I have longed with passion and desire to eat this Passover lamb with you before I endure my suffering. I promise you that the next time we eat this, we will be together in the feast of God's kingdom. Then he raised a cup and gave thanks to God. And he said to them, take this and pass it on to one another and drink. I promise you that the next time we drink this wine, we will be together in the feast of God's kingdom. Then he lifted up a loaf, and after praying a prayer of thanksgiving to God, he gave each of his apostles a piece of bread, saying, This loaf is my body, which is now being offered to you. Always eat it in remembrance to me. And after supper was over, he lifted the cup again and said, This cup is my blood of the New Testament I make with you. And it will be poured out soon for all of you. But I want you to know that the hands of the one who delivers me to be a sacrifice are with mine on the table this very moment. The Son of Man must now go where he will be sacrificed, but there will be great and unending doom for the man who betrays me. The apostles questioned among themselves which one of them was about to do this. When I look over the scope of my own personal life, there have been times that I have been the apostles and there have been times I've been the betrayer, if I'm honest. Don't raise your hand, but think about that. There are times that I've followed God to the best of my ability and times that I've sloughed off been embarrassed about certain things before I reached the age of maturity, allowed myself to be swayed by the world around me, and found myself not serving God in the way I should. I was reflecting on that when I was a younger Christian. And in uh, 1984, I took those thoughts 
and I put them on a piece of paper and I gave it a tune and it laid in the drawer until 2021. And in 2021, after all the years of reflection over this song, the Lord allowed me to put it on an album. Give me plenty of volume. On a dark, lonely hill, we know it's Calvary. On an innocent man nailed to a tree. As the sky grew dark and dusty, you could hear a lonely cry as his blood stained the ground beneath the cross where he died. Now a battle was raging on Calvary that day as a sinless man was simply put away. It seemed that it was over. It looked like death had won. But on the third day came the rising of the sun. And just beneath the cross, you know I found liberty. As the blood was applied, that's when my soul was set free. Through no power of my own, departed from the throne, heaven gained, hell's lost, just beneath the cross. This is true. A vile and worthless sinner, unfit for his love. Yet he took me in, and he cleaned me up. I was lost as lost could be. I was wretched through and through, and I'd be lost today. But the veil was torn in two, and just beneath the cross, you know I found liberty. As the blood was applied, that's when my soul was set free through no power of my own. Departed from the throne, heaven gained hell's loss just beneath the cross. And just beneath the cross. You know I found liberty as the blood was applied. That's when my soul was set free through no power of my own. Imparted from the throne, heaven gained, hell's lost.
so what we're going to do today is we're going to have, I'm just going to dismiss each section to come and receive uh, both the cup and the bread. And if you'll hold on to it till you get to your seat, back to your seat, and we'll all take communion together. So if this first group here would just go ahead and come and get uh, the elements of the sacrament. And then we will move on from there once everybody has been through the line. Forgive me for that. Just before we take this, I do want to share just a quick story with it very, very quick. Uh, several years ago, serving in another place where we did communion on a Sunday morning, and we worked with a lot of people who were unchurched. And when we did communion, uh, we, we had some bread torn. Uh, one of the gentlemen that went through the line came back and asked me, this is so cute, he came back and asked me, he said, that was my tasty, could we do that again? <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> the Bible the Bible says, make sure you eat a meal before you come and do this, all right? <laughs> Not to get full on this. This is the only command of Jesus to us. Jesus, being Jewish, fulfilled all of the laws and all of the holiday feasts and everything that's connected with Judaism and the original intention of God was fulfilled in Christ Jesus for you because he knew that the Gentile would be engrafted in. And us not having the Jewish heritage, we don't celebrate all of those feasts. So Jesus gave us one that we would not forget. And that was the fact that the real Passover lamb would be mocked, beaten, cursed, killed, but then resurrected. Jesus said that as often as you do this, do it and remember what he has done for us. He broke the bread and said, this is my body that's about to be broken for you. That merciless beating that Jesus took, not only the pugilistic punches and his beard being plucked from his face, but that that scourging that he took was diabolical. On the shroud of Turin, they've counted over 600 wounds from the scourging. A man who was scourged literally was whipped to the point that his internal organs would bleed through the holes in his flesh. It was an excruciating pain. And Jesus did it for me. So that I wouldn't have to. So this is his body broken. Lift your bread up, Father, in the name of Jesus. This is just a symbol of what you have done, but we take it, Father, as if we literally are partaking of you. And we ask, Lord, that as we take this bread, Lord, that we would not soon forget what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may partake.
and Jesus took the cup. And in this passage, we see that twice he blessed it. Because of the power in that cup, because it was the blood that was shed that wiped away our sin. But on the mercy seat of God, when God the Father looks at me in 20 and 23, he sees the reflection of the blood of Jesus. And I'm not condemned for the sins I have committed, but I have been freed forevermore. He lifted up the cup. And he blessed it. God, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That every man, woman, boy, and girl, Father, for eternity are saved because of this sacrifice and those who say yes to you will forever dwell in the kingdom so God we receive to ourselves this simulation of the draining of your blood for the, tr for the understanding of the soul that we have been covered by the blood of the lamb we ask you bless it to our body in Jesus' name. your watch moan real big how many want to be out by noon just be honest raise your hand yeah 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 so do I how many can stay till three <laughs> no we won't do that to you I won't do that to you I know you have little cups left don't know what to do them just stick them on the floor there by your chair those little trash cans are coming around, so just, just toss it in there. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. Today you came in and there's, there's letters hanging all over the place, and you came in and there's the simulation of a big Bible hanging in the foyer out there with words and letters and things coming out of it. And uh, that was Miss Megan's idea that the Lord laid on her heart and and so I uh, got a little bit of a sneak peek at that. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and she made it a reality. And so, and, and it wasn't just her. I remember Christian was hanging up at the ceiling like a monkey, tying off stuff. And he was up there on that. He makes me so nervous. He gets up on that, that scaffolding way up in the air up there. And it's only this wide. It makes me nervous. But then I remember he's tall and so it's okay I'm just picking good I'm just being honest but turn with me to 2nd Corinthians the third chapter 2nd Corinthians the third chapter I'm going to go in an, a non-traditional way today we have celebrated the resurrection of Jesus but my message today is for your heart turn to your neighbor and said I told you he was going to get you there you go 
2 Corinthians, the third chapter. We're going to start with the second and the third verse, and then we're going to skip down to the 16th and the 18th verse. 16th through the 18th verse. All right, so here we go. I'll give them a chance. I know they're going to try to put it on the screen, so I'll give you a chance to get it up there before I take off. There it is. Can you read it? I can barely read it from here. I'm just being honored. For your very lives are our letters of recommendation. This is Paul. He's writing to the church at, at Corinth. And he's letting, he, he's, he's letting them know that, that all that they have done is, is to pour into them. Okay? For your very lives, our letters, the epistles that we're writing, our letters of recommendation permanently engraved on our hearts recognized and read by everybody and a result of our ministry you are living letters written by Christ not with ink but by the spirit of the living God not carved onto stone tablets but on the tablets of tender hearts can you say amen to that how many have have the words of Christ written on your heart amen now let's move on down to the 16th through the 18th verse. But, that mo but the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is, Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Mm. Real quickly, I want to just, my opening statement is you are of great significance to the Father. I'm going to say it to this side of the room. You are of great significance to the Father. better. You are of great significance to the Father. Amen. I didn't intend to get into this, but we're going to get into it. You are of great significance to the Father. Do I dare come back over? They said, the baby's asleep. <laughs> He'll just join us. It'll just sound a little different. Now, you are of great significance to God. And I think, I think we have to be careful when we preach that because there are some, some ministries that have gotten into the place that that's all they preach is how wonderful we are. And we're not wonderful without Jesus. 
but we are significant to God that he would not let us go and suffer an eternity of damnation that was never intended for us in the first place. That's why he sent Christ Jesus. That's why he had apostles like the Apostle Paul who withstood beatings and shipwreck and hardship and jail, uh, the jailhouse and beheading so that we would understand how important our mission and our significance in God is. You see, here's the reason you're so significant to God. You are the parchment that God is writing Jesus' story on. And if you don't know what parchment is, it's just paper. Look at your neighbor and say, you big old piece of paper, God's writing on you. <laughs> See, here's the significance. He's not writing anymore. He's already once wrote with pen and ink through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to godly men who wrote down what we have put in a book and live by. But God wanted to write more than just the letter of the law and more than just words on paper, even though it is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. He wants the word written in your heart because the word written in your heart is what translates you from death to life and causes you to be an effective witness to the world around you. Don't know if you understand this or not, but we are the Bible the world reads. This is why some of the unchurched people stand outside of the walls and go hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. They've not had that deep, intimate knowledge with Christ. They don't understand the sacrifice it takes to live righteous for him. He did all the major work. All I have to do is take what he said and live it out. But how many, if you're honest, not every step of your Christian walk has been a perfect, wonderful little journey. Who is that in the room? Come on. You see? And this is where the world gets tripped up because they don't know how to read your Bible. Oh, here we go. Now, he's not writing with pen and ink anymore, but he is writing upon your heart, on your soul, on your spirit, with the finger of God through the Holy Spirit. God left us his inspired word on parchment as a testament to his will for us. <laughs> what he's desired for us and in us. A model of what he intends to do through us. But God's writing style is peculiar. God's writing style is peculiar. You see, in the Hebrew, which is, according to historians, the, e the one and only original language of man. That in the original language of man, it is an ancient document written in hieroglyphics or word pictures. Its words and messages 
are written within the topical or surface message. So when you read the Bible, you are reading the Word of God. But what most of us don't understand is there's an underlying and hidden message within the words that you read. And often God will open up that word and give it to us. We call that revelation. When the Holy Spirit takes what's already written and boom, brings it to life in you in a way you didn't read it on paper. But it made more sense to you the way the Holy Spirit brought to you than what you read on paper. Is this all right? So, I don't know if you know this or not. How many, how many have ever read the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1. The very first phrase of the Bible is in beginning. The was added by English translators. There was no the. It wouldn't make sense to us in English without it. But in the original rendering, it says in beginning. In beginning. Do you know what in beginning the Beth, the Resh, the Aleph, the Shin, the Yad, the Ta, what it means? I don't think you're ready for this. I'll tell you next week. <laughs> the phrase literally means this. This is how it's literally translated in the hieroglyphic form of Hebrew. The son left the father's house. To be destroyed willingly by his own hand on a cross. Wow. Someone said, say it again. Here's what it means. In the beginning, in beginning, in beginning. Those two words has all of this phrase in it. The son left the father's house to be destroyed willingly by his own hand on a cross. That tells us that everything starts and ends in Jesus. Each Hebrew word also has a numerical value. I'm talking about the oddity in the way that God writes. Each Hebrew word also has a numerical value which can be read and used to determine past, present, and future intense purposes and prophecies of God. Certain numbers mean certain things. Three means completion. And I could go into all that, but I, I don't have time for all that. Another thing we don't know about the writing of God is this. There is also matrix in the Hebrew that can predict future events that contain past historical events of our modern age. They found him. By using skip sequences, they have found all kinds of historical documentation, such as and even including the, uh, the um, uh, assassination of John F. Kennedy. It's in the original writings of Moses, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Everything starts and ends in Christ. In other words, God is leaving nothing to chance. We serve a God so calculated that before he set anything in motion, he knew exactly what to write. 
We serve a God whose words are creative. We serve a God who, through his words, can create something out of nothing. And that same God wants to write in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your faculties. <laughs> and this great mystical writer is the author of your life. He creates the story that will evolve out of the circumstances of your existence both here and now and in eternity. Do you know God not only knows you in the here and now, he knows you in eternity. He knows what you're going to do in the eons of eternity. He knows what jobs you'll do. He knows what victories you'll bring. He knows what kingdoms you'll rule. He knows it all. This is why you're so important because he has eternal assignment for you. Is this too much? So, if you don't mind, I'm going to use a biblical word. Selah. Calmly think about that. God has so calculated. He thought of you before you were. He set everything in motion. He caused your parents to get together. Whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, he caused your parents to get together. Come on. Because he couldn't do this without you because he needed you for eternity. It's going to mess you up. Another interesting fact is that Hebrew is written right to left. We write left to right. But Hebrew is written left to, or right to left. This way. Now, that's backwards to us. It's backwards to us. But is it backwards? No. Let me explain why. It's not backwards because it is a mirror reflection to us. God is writing to us from eternity, and we are gazing into his reality from ours. Ever put a piece of paper up to a mirror written your way? Which way does it read? Backwards. Since the fall of Adam, we have been, we have been backwards to God's intent and purpose, and we are on the outside looking in. When Adam walked with God in the garden, he was an insider, but, but through him, we all became outsiders. We do everything backwards to God. You see, God tells time by nightfall and lunar events. We tell time by daylight and solar events. Our calendar is different than God's, and our perceptions are different than God's. But God has not stopped writing, I love you, I love you, I love you throughout time and eternity. And those of us who know him by the Spirit through faith in salvation are his writing tablet 
to the world. We are a scroll that God keeps unfurling for our family, our friends, and our neighbors who will never have an attraction to a leather-bound book. We are God's love letter to our age. But what are we smudging? What are we blurring? Or what are we blotting out of his beautiful story that's being written in us by resistance, defiance, disobedience, or wanting to rewrite the story our way? You knew this was going to get ugly somewhere. Think about that. What part of his story is unintelligible, that means impossible to understand, the way it is written on our tablet? Don't you hate preachers that meddle? What are we getting backwards that keeps repelling our family, our friends, and our neighbors? I believe our only hope is to become more dedicated to being an insider through Jesus. Because the more of him that people read, the more they will get our story on our tablet. One more thing about our life as God's tablet. God's original writing to man was the Ten Commandments. This is God's law. Then came the law of Moses concerning government, societal behavior, moral values, and ways to govern a nomadic or wandering people. Does that sound like our world? Could use a little correction here and there. But each time Moses encountered God, he left his meeting with God with more of God's reflection radiating on his face until he had to cover his face for the fear that God's reflection on him would be so holy that it might disturb or harm those that are not in tune with God's heart when he encountered them face to face think of that but now understand this Moses would veil his face as to not to harm anybody else because he had such an intimate, since I'm intimate with you, baby, I can do it, such an intimate relationship nose to nose with God. I wasn't about to do that with Pastor Steve. <laughs> I could just, coward, I heard that. <laughs> Not in this day and age. No, 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 no. We're not that kind of church. Yes. But here's what I want you to understand. What Moses could not show, Christ came and showed for us, then invited us in. During the years of Moses, the people backed up from God and said, Moses, you get. 
You go get God's presence and bring it to us. You bring his word to us and we'll just believe you. Well, they didn't. But what Jesus did is he took what Moses did, being the face of the Father. He tore the veil off and showed us everyone who is willing to look into the Father's face that you now can come and stand face to face with your heavenly Father. Anytime you desire. You don't have to wait for God to summon you now. You can come because you desire to go to God. Man, this wooden plank underneath here makes me nervous. I just know one day I'm going to fall in this pit. You all think a rapture happened? There'll be such a revival in this place. Let me finish this up. I'm almost done. Believe it or not. Everybody look at your watch. Look at that. It's only a quarter till. How many thinks we'll get out by noon? There are doubters on the front row. But Christ has turned all of that around for us. Every man can now encounter God through Jesus and come boldly to his throne and make every petition you need to make. So under Moses, you couldn't see God's face in the words that were being spoken. Moses kept a veil. You could only hear his guidance that always sounded burdensome, demanding, and legalistic. But the first thing God wrote to us were the things that he wanted us not to do so that there cannot be a divide between us and him. This is what the world wants. The world wants the church to keep our face veiled. Don't bring God into my face. Don't show me. Don't show me that I don't measure up. Don't show me there's a deficit in my life. I'm trying to be comfortable. Is this too hard? The world wants the church to stay veiled. They want us to keep the face of God hidden. But if we veil this part of God, the fact that God corrects, the fact that God has a statute of limitation, that God has a way that's different than the way of man, what seems right to a man ends in death, but what seems right to God ends in life. And we're looking into the mirror and reading it all backwards. The world looks into the mirror of God and all they see is something they cannot intelligibly make out. But you and I know how to interpret what we see in the mirror. And we show the face of the Father to the world around us. And though the world doesn't want to know that there's a God who has a standard and a way and a law. It's the very thing they need the most. Is to understand that behind the standard and the law of God 
is the love of God. Our society does not want it one iota. And there are people at different levels of life that are pushing agendas to try to tear down, destroy, and silence the voice of the church. But if ever we're going to come out from among them and be separate, it must be now. And we must peel the veil off of Christianity and let the world see there is a God and he is righteous and he is holy and he is pure. Let me finish this because I'm going to make and keep my word today. So the world doesn't want his correction, but under Christ we are encouraged to take off the veil that hides God's reflection. So let's let his face shine through the reflection of our relationship with the author. Because your father wants the world to see his full face. You are his reflection. And you reflect his story, not yours. Your story is not really your story. It's God's story through you. That's why you're so significant. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the writing pad of God. And here's my last thought. God forbid if we are smudging his story. God forbid if the world can't see him in our story. If our faces veiling his glory, we're missing our call. If you feel you've smudged his story, run back to the tent of meeting or your prayer closet or your private time. And get face to face with the Father. And ask him to remove any smudges. Clean up anything that's been skewed or smeared or misaligned. Or that will be in misinterpreted by your family, friends, and neighbors. Because they deserve as clean a story as you've understood through God for you to run to him and to run to his mercy. You, the Bible says, are an epistle. That means a letter written by God. And this is what Paul is teaching the Corinthian believers. Stop seeing yourself insignificant. Stop demanding from us that we have to come in and prove to you our worth. He's wanting them to understand you're as important in the body as the apostles because God needs you to continue writing his story because your book and your book and your book and 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 I can do it all across this place. Your book will only be interpreted by the people God has assigned 
to read your book. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we ask, Father, that as we say our final goodbyes today, our final amen here, that none of us leave, Father, with a skewed story. None of us leave, Father, with with a uh, smudged, misspelled, misinterpreted message. We are the body of Christ. We are the epistles of God. We display the face of the Father because of Christ Jesus. We have the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us and direct us and to bring out of the passages that are written, both in the Bible and in our heart, a revelation that gives us greater understanding of who our Father is at any given moment. By our own will, we can now approach the throne at any time we need to and come to the Father and make our petition, our heart known. We don't want to taint the world. The world is as confused as it can get, Father. And yet we can't back down and we can't bend a social ill or what society deems is right. We must stand for biblical righteousness. We must stand for the holiness of our God. We must separate ourselves from the practices that drag us into the world and stand out separate. Today, all of us reflect, Father, every one of us, over what's written in our epistle. Me, more than anyone else in this room, because I don't want to confuse not one soul. Father, we ask that you'd be close right now. By an act of our will, we approach you and ask, Father, for a face-to-face -face encounter that we can leave this place with you shining for our friends to see, our family to see in our gatherings when we leave this place. Let us not go back the way we came in let us leave this place changed. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just one moment, you're in this house today, and there's something in your heart that says, I've smudged my letter. I know I have. I want to get that right. If you're in this room today and you, your heart says, I, I don't think I ever even started the journey, and I want to get that right. If you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, you've never had that opportunity to say yes, I won't embarrass you, I promise, but by an uplifted hand, would you say, pray with me, Pastor, pray with me. That's me you're talking to. I need to know him as Lord and Savior. 
you're watching by television and you can know him. He's as close as the mention of his name. But this is not some plastic play, pray a little prayer and think your life is going to be transformed and nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever challenge you again. No, this is a lifetime commitment of saying yes to God's will and God's way. I'm not going to pray a prayer and get fire insurance. No, this is a change of lifestyle. And I'll live for him all the days of my life. And I'll give him every aspect of who I am. And I will sell out and I'll let him remove each layer of my life that stands contrary to that statement. If it takes me the rest of my life to let him unwrap all of the things that need unwrapped in me, I'm, I'm in. If that's your commitment, then you say, Jesus, I hear you. I want you. I receive you. And for the rest of my life, I'm coming after you. I'm laying down this sin and putting it at your feet and asking you through the shed blood that you shed on the cross to never, ever again go back into a lifestyle of sin. And if I should slip, if I should fall, I'll lean on you, the one and only person who can remove my sin and start all over again. If you prayed that prayer, born again if you're here today and you know that you've smudged the story a little bit I want you to know this pastor is the least judgmental person in this room because I've smudged mine so many times but if you smudged your story I'm going to put my head down I cannot see you but if you smudged your story would you raise your hand and I'm going to pray Father, I pray for those who've raised their hand. Say, I've smudged my story. I've, I've misrepresented some things. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming back. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. Rewrite those areas, Father, that I have smudged. And help me to make my, my decision resolute today to not slip back into a sinful practice but to live through your grace by faith, unveiling the face of Jesus so that I would not bring criticism upon him. Let my story be correct today. And I'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name.